Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. Hi, Rose. I'm so glad you're here talking with me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Michelle. So Rose is a parenting coach, and I thought that she would be a perfect person to address some of the questions that I've been getting lately from our audience, and a lot of those have to do with parenting guilt. Now, you may be wondering what that has to do with dogs and kids, but of course, any parent who's in the trenches understands that parenting kids and dogs at the same time can be totally overwhelming. If you're bringing home a new baby, you may have all kinds of feelings because your dog, who is your first baby, is now possibly neglected or you think they're neglected. Um, A lot of this is mindset, Um, but there's a lot of guilt that can happen when you're trying to navigate these these muddy waters. And so Rose is going to be talking to us today about how we can navigate that and how to deal with those feelings and perhaps shift them into something a little bit more positive. So Rose, why don't you introduce yourself and then we'll get into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like you said, I'm a I'm a parenting coach. I'm an authorized language of listening parenting coach, to be more specific. And um, the way that I got into it was, you know, basically I had a difficult childhood. I was raised by a couple of parents who have some um, mental illness, unfortunately. Um, And uh, so I knew that I wanted things to be different for my kids. Um, and I had it all worked out in my head. You know, I knew, I knew that I wanted my kids to have their own thoughts, opinions, and feelings, you know, and that, that those things would be okay. And I wanted them to have a close emotional connection with, with their parents. And I talked to my husband about this before we even got married and he agreed, you know, and then when the rubber hit the road and the babies came home from the hospital, right? Like, and I had two under two and the yelling started. I was like, okay, I made this decision, but I don't have the tools. I do Uh. not have the tools. And so, um, So I went looking. I didn't even know if the tools existed, but I went looking and I found language of listening. And um, it really, really was the tools that I was looking for that I needed to help me to become the kind of mom that I wanted. But then there was this extra piece that also allowed me to reparent myself, to learn how to really value myself, to learn, you know, how to hold my boundaries, what my boundaries actually were, you know, all those things. And so, um, you know, completely fell in love with the model um, and for everything that it was able to do for me in my life. And now I get to share it with, uh, with moms all over the world. Yeah. Oh, that, I, I could see how valuable that would be. I know that when I am not my best self, I am a lousy parent. You know, I raise my voice more or I snap or I'm just less patient and tolerant. Um, and so I could imagine learning from the skill set that you are now equipped with, how that could be really helpful. Yeah, yep, for sure. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about how guilt works. What, I mean, how does it relate to parenting and what does it mean? Right. How do we, how do we handle those feelings? Because I feel like it's like a lead weight on us and it gets in the way of us moving forward. And so I'm wondering how to shift that, that feeling of being down and overwhelmed 
with those feelings to something more positive and productive. Yeah, yeah. Let's dive. Let's dive right in. <laughs> dive right into the heavy stuff, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I love talking to moms about um, <clears throat> the overwhelming emotions of motherhood, really. And guilt, I would say, is one of the big ones. That's one of the ones that hits us. Like, and what what I picture in my head is like, you know, you finally get the kids to bed. And you've got, you know, some, some time to yourself in the evening, you finally earned it, you know, and you're ready to watch some Netflix or, or whatever. But then there's just this feeling that comes up about your day, this icky, you know, guilty feeling when you start looking or thinking about the day, or even if you're looking at your kids sleep, sleep in bed. And you, like you said, like if you've had a bad day, you've been yelling at them or whatever, and you see them and you think like, well, what, what was there to yell about? And then we start blaming ourselves. Right. And this is what we do. And we have emotions that we don't like. Most of us have been trained or have even, you know, made it a survival mechanism really and it started in childhood to blame ourselves to think that it's proof that there's something that there's something wrong with us and of course with guilt I mean that's exactly what's going to happen right because you're like I did this thing you know and I feel like crap about it and it proves that I'm a terrible person and you know all these things right really but what we can do is we can totally shift it and like you said it's it's a total mindset thing you know where we can look at it and we can go okay I'm feeling guilty you know why 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 would a great person do the things that, that I did, you know, because what we do in language of listening is we always come from a position that the, that the parent is a great person and the child is a great person. There's always a good reason why we do anything. There's always a good reason why our children do anything. Right. And so we can start to look at that and really even just looking at the guilt feeling, the first place that you can, you can stop and look is just go, Oh, if I'm feeling guilty about this, a, it must be really important to me. And B, I must not be showing up in what we could call alignment uh, or con- congruence. My husband and I talk about that a lot. He's doing his master's in counseling right now. He's becoming mm-hmm. a therapist. So we talk a lot about congruence, you know, and the way that we talk about it in language of listening is really like having a fuller expression of yourself show up. Okay. Yeah. And so when you're feeling guilt, you know, it's just a little, it's just a little, a little twinge, a little tweak is letting you know, you know, maybe you're not showing up as the fullest expression of yourself. And, you know, it's probably a really good thing that you don't like that thing that you did that you're feeling guilty about, right? It's that's, I mean, because that's, that's who you are is actually your preference about the action. It's not that oh. you did the thing. Like, let's talk about the, like yelling at your kids, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Like yelling, yelling is simply, you're feeling powerless. You're meeting your need for power by yelling. You don't like that you yelled. And it's not the yelling that shows who you are. It's the fact that you didn't like the yelling. Ah. Because there's times when you'd feel proud of yelling, actually, right? Like if your kid was running out in the street and you yelled at them and they Mm -hmm. got the heck out of the way before they got hit by a car, you'd be like, I'm so glad I yelled at them. Yeah. Or if somebody was trying to steal your kid, (laughs) you'd be so, you'd be so proud of yourself for yelling at that that moment or, or hitting somebody or, you know, whatever things that we normally are not okay with, right? There are times when we're okay with doing these things. So the, the times that you do it and you're not okay with it, it's the not okay that shows who you are. Okay. Not the action itself, right? And so you can just sit back and go, okay, I've done something that I didn't like. You know, must be something else that I can do. Because also to just to kind of reel it back a bit, and we'll talk about the yelling again. What I said was, you know, yelling is you meeting your need for power. Needs just got to get met by human beings. And all needs are healthy, or the needs that we talk about in language of listening, experience, connection, and power. Those are the three needs we focus on. Meeting your need for power is just all about feeling capable in the world. Mm-hmm. We yell a lot at our kids when we're feeling kind of incapable, when we feel mm-hmm. powerless. It's just a normal human. Or at the dog. You or know? at the dog. There's you a know? lot of, yes. you know, I, I feel like parents who are t- 
tired and who feel like their attention is divided into too many pieces, snap at somebody. So they either snap because the toddler is getting into trouble or the dog is getting into trouble. And then we wonder if we're not being adequate with being present to prevent those what we perceive to be negative behaviors in the first place. And so I like what you're saying that our response is because we wish things were better, not because we enjoy punishing anybody for, or, you know, shouting or whatever else. So I guess then, you know, this begs the question, which obviously, I mean, you don't have a magic wand unless you're hiding it somewhere that I can't see, but I might be. <laughs> yeah, you might. I hope you are. So it begs the question of, you know, we can't necessarily give a tired parent more rest and we can't necessarily give them extra hours in the day. And so frustration and guilt is, is a normal result of that lack of you know, ability to maybe multitask as well as we wish that we could. So I guess I'm wondering how we, how we deal with this because, so again, bringing it back to parents who have dogs, you know, if you're worried that your dog is acting out because it's not getting as much exercise, let's say, as it used to, because now you're breastfeeding the baby or you're changing diapers a lot more than you, you know, before the baby even showed up, obviously. So now your time is divided and you don't have more hours in the day. And you're wondering, oh my gosh, you know, would this dog be better off somewhere else? The dog needs these things and I'm not giving them to him at this moment. I feel awful about that. You know, what would you advise that parent to help her feel slightly more empowered um, to address it, even in the tiniest little bit, so that we can chip away at that mounting feeling of yuckiness. I, I can give you a, a complete framework, Michelle, that will work towards. What? You do yeah. have a magic wand. Oh I, my do, God. I do. I do. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I can I can walk I can walk you through what the simple steps for a mom would be to to become a problem solver in that moment. So because what happens is is when these bad feelings come up, and I kind of already talked about this a bit, a bit but we start blaming ourselves. We think it's proof that there's something wrong with us, right? That we've right. done these things. And like you're saying, like nobody has control over the fact that there are only so many hours in a day, and being a parent is darn hard. There's no question that it's it's probably one of the most taxing things, you know, to do and to be in the world. Yeah. And, um, you know, and you've got a dog that you're responsible for also as well. And so, I mean, and even that is a huge responsibility, right? And the reason why people have kids and dogs is because they really care about them. They really love them, right? So they do want to do the best. And so this is where we want to start from is we always want to start from where, where are you right? Where are you doing things right? What What is going well? Like, you know, to, to kind of like, you know, make sure that you understand that there's lots of good pieces there too, not just focusing on, on the crummy stuff. But yeah, language of listening, it's made up of these three simple tools um, that work with, it basically turns you into a life coach for your kids, but it allows you to coach yourself as well. That's what I was kind of talking about at the beginning where like it allowed me to become the mom that I wanted to be right. also allowed me to reparent myself. And so what, what, you know, I would say to a mom who's feeling really crummy because she's got all the, the diapers and she can't get the dog out as, as frequently as possible you know, pay attention to your emotions, pay attention to your reactions. They're all really important. And what you're going to do is you can start with the first tool from language of listening. It's called say what you see. And typically what I tell the moms that I work with is get into the bathroom <laughs> where you can see yourself in the mirror, close the door. So you're on your own, you know, and, and just 
get your complaints out, but you get them out in a very specific way where you are validating yourself by speaking to yourself in the second person that is using the word you. So you're really frustrated right now. It's been diaper explosion after diaper explosion. The dog is freaking out. It's chewing stuff up. It's, it's at the door. You know, you're exhausted. You, you know, the dog needs to go out more, like just complain, you know, using that word you and keep on doing it. Just let it come out until you get to the point where you're basically like, where you feel like you've really hit the nail on the head. Okay. Where you're like nodding, like you're just like, yes, that's it. That's how I feel. You know, where you've really understood yourself. Mm-hmm. All human beings, we all just, we all just want to be seen and understood. Right. And we can do that for ourselves. And what you're doing when you're getting your complaints out, and again, speaking to yourself using the word you, is you're making sure that you know that you're not the problem. Oh. Right. When we blame ourselves and we make ourselves a problem, that's where we get stuck because we do feel powerless. That's what you're saying. How can these moms feel empowered? Right. You feel powerless when you're the problem. And here's one of the main reasons why is because truth be told, people can't be problems. They can only have problems. So if you're trying to solve the problem of you, you're stuck trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist and you're never going to get anywhere. Uh, You're never going to get anywhere. Right. And so what you want to do is you want to make it okay. It's okay that you feel this way. It's okay that you have a new baby and you're overwhelmed. It's okay that, you know, that the dog is freaking out, um, but you don't like it. And this is the next piece is you really want to get down to your likes and your dislikes. Those are the very simple way to figure out what your boundaries are and to figure out what you want. Okay. So you just, you hate it. You hate that the dog's doing this. You hate that you're feeling overwhelmed. You hate it. Like it's got to be okay that you like the things that you like and that you dislike the things that you don't, don't like. And this is again, leading you to what, what is the real problem? What is the absolute real problem? So again, when you get yourself heard and seen and you're nodding, you hit the nail on the head, you really know what it is, you know, that that's really bothering you. Um, then you want to move into wishes. And you're going to still keep on talking to yourself in this in that second person and just say, you really wish that. Ah. You really wish that your mom would come over every day for an hour so that you could walk the dog and just have a break from the baby and get outside and get some exercise and take the dog with you. Or you really wish whatever it is that you wish. Now we don't talk about wants per se. Um, because really what we're going towards is what you want, but we don't talk about the wants because we get stuck with the wants. We won't even let ourselves see the wants that we think that we can't have. So maybe there's no way mom can come over every day to walk the dog, but maybe it's going to open your mind to think, well, there's that neighbor down the street or, you know, like it's to make it again, still okay that you want what you want and that you're wishing for what you wish for, because the wishes really open up your possibilities and they really start to give you an understanding of like what's going on in your mind. And again, making you right, making all these things okay, because it's your reality. Mm-hmm. And if your reality is not okay, and if you're not okay, again, you can't get to the real problem and get it solved. You just get stuck there in those icky feelings and you're yep. feeling powerless, right? And so what you, the next step that you take with the wishes, after the wishes, is you go into the next, the next tool of language of listening, which is called strengths. Figure out what's, What's good about you in that wish that you have? So again, let's say it's that you wish mom would come over and, you know, well, you, you love the idea of, you know, your baby getting a chance to spend time with your mom. You know how to look after yourself. You know what you need. You need a break from the baby and you need the dog to stop freaking out. And you can get those two things done, you know, by getting for a walk or, or whatever, right? Is it making sense? Is it kind of, it's kind of clicking? No, (laughs) my eyes are wide. Nobody can see but you, but I, I love I mean, I love so much of this. I love the fact that even just that you use the word wish instead of want, because I don't hold back with wishes. Wishes can be big, fantastic dreams. But then what you're doing is you're helping me see 
that relief is possible even on a small scale with inside that wish. So I could hire a dog walker and that would make me feel so much better. Or I could get the dog to doggy daycare where it gets to socialize and play. And that would make me feel so much better. Or I could have the teenager up the street read books to the baby while I go take a shower and feel human again. I mean, tiny little things you can chip away, but those are very real actionable steps, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. The possibilities open right up. And then the final step and the final tool is called can do's where you just kind of say to yourself, must be something I can do to get what I want. Must be something I can do to make this happen, which is what you were basically talking about, right? Because yeah. I think so many times, you know, again, when when we think we're the problem and we're like, well, there's something wrong with me. Like I shouldn't, I shouldn't be so overwhelmed, or you know, like I'm a bad person because I don't get the dog walked frequently enough. It, then we're told that the door is shut for thinking about the teenager down the street or thinking about the dog walker. The door's just shut. And once again, we'll never get that problem solved. Right. You know, but again, when we open up the possibilities and the way I kind of talk about possibilities is I think so many times as, as humans, we think of ourselves as a train, like in a train tunnel, I'm a train and there's forward. And, and maybe if I can get the train stopped, I might be able to back it up, but there's only those two directions I can go. And, and mostly I'm just going forward. Truth is we're helicopters. Truth hmm. is we're not in a tunnel. Truth is we can go forward, backwards, left, right, up, down, diagonal. We could probably do flip or something. I don't know. The helicopters flip. Probably not. It's not I don't know. Take, but anyways. They scare me. <laughs> But see, like, there's all these possibilities that we just, we blame ourselves, you know, we, we shut the door to all those possibilities and they're just not there. And then there's no, there, that's, there's no empowerment, mm-hmm. right? The empowerment goes right out the door with those things, but we mm-hmm. can be empowered when it must be something, must be something I can do. Well, you say I it must be something love, you can do. <laughs> I love the shift away from putting the responsibility solely on you and I'm not good enough to there is relief available and I just have to think about how to get it. You know, I love that. And I like that you just gave a very systematic outline of how to do that. I think that's really, it feels very empowering even just to hear it to me because I think it's really easy to just feel stuck and then feel like wallow, you know, this pit of despair type of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's so doable. Like it's three simple steps. I'll say them again. Say what you see first, you know, get to the mirror, say what you see back to yourself. So whatever's going on, get your complaints out Mm -hmm. and include your wishes in that, you know, get to the point where you're like, this is, these are all the things I wish, you know, and then you move into strengths. What's good about the fact you wish those things? Because then you can feel really good about going after them. And you also get like a little bit of I'm a, I'm a pretty okay person. Like, you know, like you can feel good about yourself. And, uh, and then that last piece is can do is, you know, must be something I can do. Must be something I can do to go after these things and get them. Okay. Yeah. I wrote those three steps down. That's good. <laughs> yes. I'm going to put those three steps in the show notes. Yeah. Of course, they'll need to listen because you explain it so well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to put three little bullet points as a little reminder for people. Great. This is really remarkable. I mean, I, um, I, I, I feel like this podcast episode is like a hug to all of those parents out there to say, I know how hard it is because I've been literally, I've been in your shoes and I've been in the shoes from a different perspective, right? I have one biological child and I have one adopted child and I had very different feelings with both. And with my son who is adopted from Guatemala, we we had trouble bonding and there's, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, and I felt really, really bad about it. Like, because I feel like I could bond like 
you could hand me your baby and I could bond with your baby. You can hand me a puppy. I could bond with that. I feel like I bond with lots of creatures and it comes easily to me. And yet with my own child, I, there, there was something going on that made it really difficult. Mm. And, you know, at the end of the day, we learned that there were some developmental challenges that were preventing some of that, um, that back and forth, you know, because bonding is not just a one-way street. Um, And so, you know, over time, more information became available that explained, like, because you don't know what you don't know. So, you know, I was just feeling frustrated and why can't I bond? This is my child and I don't feel the same. And so I had a lot of guilt around, you know, feelings about these two kids. And, um, and then of course there was the dog who I wasn't really meeting his needs because I was so busy wallowing in the fact that I, you know, wasn't being the best parent that I thought I should be. Um, and that it's not a one size fits all type of situation, right. That, that, that circumstances change and, that those circumstances can change for a million different reasons. It could be your hormones. It could be chemicals, you know, in your brain, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. I feel like something like that does exist with adopted families, although I don't know if it's specifically a real thing or not, but it does. There's a lot of ups and downs in that whole process. There's a lot of unknowns. And um, I was not particularly kind to myself in retrospect, you know, and so hearing this, I feel like if if we can help anybody feel a little bit better about their journey um, than I felt about mine, mm, then that's yeah. a huge win, right? Yeah. And so that's why we're doing this, you know. <laughs> and I hope that people will share, you know, if they know anybody who is not very nice to themselves and struggling, um, that you share this with them because I think that it can feel very empowering. Yeah. 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 Anybody who's dealing with overwhelming emotions, especially in motherhood. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah, it's definitely. All right. Well, thank you, Rose. I am so grateful to have met you and that you took the time to talk with us because I think we're going to help a lot of families. Oh yeah. Happy to for sure. Thanks for having okay. me. Michelle. Thank you. I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Pooch Parenting Podcast on iTunes or on the podcast app of your choice. If you're looking for ongoing support for your family with dogs, be sure to get on the waiting list for my Thriving Parents with Kids and Dogs membership at www.safekidsanddogs.com. And don't forget to follow Pooch Parenting on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening.